Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the In Repose podcast with your host, Caitlin Smith. This is our space, our weekly gathering to talk about creating an intentional life through nature, movement, and repose. And I'm so grateful you're here for yet another week of conversation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm all oiled up. post shower. I've got the hair oils in. I've got the skin oils on. I've got the Palo Santo burning. Oh, I'm such a sensory person. Smell and feel and taste and (laughs) what other senses do we have? (laughs) Load me up. It feels really, really yummy. And I really try and make it a point to nourish myself right before every episode, drinking lots of water or making a tea or a tonic and oiling myself up just so that we can sit here in a really intentional space and I'm not just flying in, coming in hot for you. So (laughs) how are you feeling today? There's so many times where I'm just like, how I want to hear how you're feeling. (laughs) So if you'd like to keep up the conversation, you can, even if it's as simple like, hey, I'm having a rough week or hey, I'm having an amazing week. You can over on Instagram at Repose Homestead. I would just love to hear it. So for this week's five-star review of the week, I want to read, oh, I just... Thank you so much. These make me so happy. Again, I share them because I want you to know who else you are in community with. So this one comes from Michael and they said, love the title, love the topics. Listening to this podcast while making morning cups of coffee or tea feels like sacred chatting time with a tender and gentle soul. As a fellow podcast hostess, I am very inspired. I love the aesthetic of the cover art and the emails as well. Subscribe to the podcast email list. And since you asked in the latest episode, I am listening from my cozy little kitchen in Copenhagen. So, Michael, thank you so much. I sounds so dreamy, too. Just a cozy little kitchen, coffee tonics, tea time. That's exactly, I mean, that's the dream, right? That's, that's, that is where I envision myself when I'm talking to you. That is, that is where we are at. So it makes me so, so grateful. And again, just a reminder that if you do take a moment of your time, I also get out of breath. Side note, I get out of breath so much quicker now. I'm 21 weeks officially right now. So I need to like work on breathing and talking at the same time. It is so wild. But as a reminder, if you take just a moment to write a review for the podcast before you click submit, take a screenshot and either DM it to me at Repose Homestead over on Instagram or send it off in an email, hi at reposehomestead.com. Send a screenshot of that review and I will gift you the coffee tonics and herbal powders workshop that I have. It is my OG workshop. You get to see where I started, honestly. I think it's really fun. There's been so many moments where I wanted to revamp it because it's just not that's not the person in it is so different is what I want to say because the the content in it is so much of what I do to this day I love it so much I actually just bought a bunch of new ingredients from Azure for my coffee tonics like coconut cream powder and dates and almonds so I'm gonna make all of these amazing milks again and coffee tonics are coming back what's really interesting too is you think I mean, I go through, I've been in, I've been making coffee tonics for, I want to say probably five, four or five years now, especially the chamomile coffee that kind of adapted about three years ago or that came to be three years ago. 
and I just go through seasons of taking breaks from them. So I need a break from them and I just want to do a milk and coffee or keep it really simple. Oh my gosh. And I got, I'm going to make ghee too. Oh my gosh. They get so fun. And there's all the variations in the workshop with ghee, with homemade coconut butter. That's like the easiest recipe, how to make herbal powders. And it's all really accessible. It really came from this point in my life when I was broke, 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 and wanting. I was obsessed with these yummy, incredible coffees, but I couldn't afford to spend $50 on an adaptogenic powder. So I was making all of these herbal powders on my own, and then I put it in a workshop, and it was one of my best-selling workshops to date, and it's the OG one, and you get to see, I love getting to see how far people come, like by listening to their first podcast episode, or their first YouTube video, or their first workshop, because I think it's so cool. And all the actual content in it is so valuable. It's just a totally different person in the videos. <laughs> it's wild to me. I also wanted to announce that the Restore for Week course is closed. There are no more spots available for registration for the upcoming April month, but there is a waitlist that you can join if you want to join us in the future. So I'm really, really grateful for that. And this space that we've created. So that's really exciting. Speaking of the 21 weeks, so I'm officially 21 weeks preg- pregnant, 21, 21 weeks alone in this pregnancy. And we found out what we were having last week. And I want to share it because I talked about it in the pregnancy episode where I don't know. I alluded to what I what I knew them to be because of all of the oils I was using at the time to everything that I was drawn to was very, very feminine, like this feminine energy. And I always knew from the get-go that we were having a girl. My intuition spoke loudly and not even just my intuition. I just believe it to be her soul coming through really loud because she told us her name right away. She told us what her gender was. We found out officially last week that we are having a girl and we're both, Daniel and I, are so excited it is really, really wild and surreal to say that I'm going. I have a daughter, and I'm going to be. I am a mother to a daughter. She's <laughs> growing inside of me as we speak. She is kicking all of the time. She's measuring tall, which I'm so excited about because I am only five four, five five. Daniel is like over six feet tall. And so I was really hopeful that, <laughs> I mean, however she comes out, she'll be perfect in her own person. But it's really exciting when <laughs> I'm like, yay, she's going to be tall like her dad. And I don't know. It was just, it's just a very exciting time. We're both, it, we're both elated. We're both elated. We have her name. We're, I'm not going to share it publicly. It's really, really special to us. I can't wait to share it though when she is here and share her with you. But she is most likely, I mean, where her due date is, it's the first week of August, she's going to be a Leo sun. So I just have always felt this very fiery energy from her. Even when we're doing the ultrasound and getting the pictures of her, she's just like a wild woman. She was just flipping around in there, posing for the camera. She took all of the perfect pictures they needed for the anatomy scan because they told us that a lot of times they can have you come back because their baby is just doing its own thing. But she just was 
I asked her lovingly to just cooperate so I wouldn't have to go back a million times and she did and she loved the camera and she's just always had this really strong personality of telling us exactly who she is and what she, what her name is and what, what I think I, I don't know if I had shared but we had we've had her name we heard it about a year ago and as soon as we heard it like far be far before long before <laughs> we ever got pregnant and the moment we heard it we both were really really drawn to it and connected to it and as soon as we found out we were pregnant I just had this knowing who she was and what her name was and why we felt so drawn to it so it's a really exciting time it's really really cool I wanted to talk about today speaking of being on this pregnancy journey Today's topic and conversation is all about the relationship we have with ourselves and our physical body because as I was in my doctor's appointment, it's been really interesting because I've been, I'm really grateful, beyond grateful for Western medicine, but I've not been in a doctor's office for over 10 years uh, besides like OB appointment or um, yeah, like OB appointments for, you know, yearly checkups and stuff, but that that I'm speaking just to like a, a general practitioner doctor's office I haven't been in for 10 years. And that's just because I haven't had, I've been blessed and lucky not to have any health ailments come up that I've needed to go in. And I am someone, obviously, if you're here, that you know that I've been really integrated, <clears throat> excuse me, really integrated into holistic wellness. So that's just the path that I took. It's been really fascinating to be back into that that sphere and that world and some of the questions that are asked of you and in a way that I just I haven't been exposed to in a really long time. And I mean, one of them is always like the medications. Like when I talk about my symptoms, like, oh, yeah, I've been experiencing heartburn. And they ask, well, what are you taking for it? And and giving you a list of all these things you can take when that's just not my approach. Like I just don't take for every for everything that comes up, if I have a headache, then I usually have an oil that I can rub on and it goes away right away. Or I'm actually going to, I have an incredible, I found an incredible acupuncturist that came highly, highly recommended to me here that I am, that I am working with throughout this pregnancy that's helping with my TMJ. And that's just me and the path and the the remedies that I take for my personal body. And I also want to share while it's coming up in thought, I'm not going to share our birth plan because that is something that is really sacred to me. I, the thing that I do want to note though is that I think for years prior leading up to it, it was something that I thought I would take a really, really holistic, natural approach to. And then being pregnant, my body was like, no, I actually want to do it this way. And that's been really cool because I <laughs> I don't think life is black and white. I, we live in this gray, nuanced area. And so you can experiment and have your foot in both worlds and I believe that you should. I don't think one is right and one is wrong, but it's just been a fascinating experience to see, to witness the questions that have come up. So the point being why I wanted to talk about our physical body today in terms of of body changes and the journey of our the relationship to our bodies is that my doctor on the last visit was asking if I had any questions about weight gain. And that was so interesting to me because she's a wonderful, incredible doctor. I just, I remember in our first appointment, they had asked what I had weighed pre-pregnancy and I told them, I don't know. And they looked at me because Daniel's come to every single one of my appointments and then look at Daniel like I'm embarrassed to say it or that like I'm withholding the information. And I'm like, I genuinely don't know. I haven't owned a scale. I don't even know how long. I mean, it has to have been at least 10 years that I've owned a scale. I have 
no idea. I could take a guess, but I just don't choose to define my body by what a number, <laughs> what what a number says, especially, and we're going to talk about it, get into it, because if I am moving my body every single day in a way that feels good to me, and I am nourishing my body every single day in a way that is energizing to me and fulfilling to me with whole foods that feel really, really good, then why would I, why would I ever then decide, oh, a number is more important than how I actually feel in my own body? That is something that I not always believed. And that is why I came from years of disordered eating. I will not allow that number to define me. And I haven't for a very long time. And so it's really interesting to, to witness that kind of conversation again when I haven't had it for so long. And it's inspired me because I so deeply want to talk about it because the relationship to our body, I think especially for those of us that are carrying children or have weight fluctuation or whatever, just have gone through ebbs and flows with our bodies, which I really think is every single one of us as we age, as we grow, as we have hormones and puberty and all of these factors. And yet we're so quick to shame and guilt and define ourselves by these numbers. It's so, so important to me. So before we start into that, I really want to take you back through my own personal history because it's really important of how I got here and different career aspects because I've been a personal trainer. I've been an organic farmer. Like these things didn't just drop into my head and this relationship I've cultivated just didn't happen overnight. So I want to take you on that journey. And for me, that starts, I vividly remember being 10 years old because growing up, from my perspective in my family, the thing that was most celebrated as a female was beauty and weight. And I may have had, <sighs> I may have had beauty according to them, but I didn't have the ideal weight. And I remember multiple family members commenting about my weight because I was chubby. I was a little bit overweight, but that was also because we would eat out Friday through Sunday every single weekend. And my parents did the best that they could, but it feels really unfair to allow a child or provide all of this junk and processed food and that child to experience weight gain and then it somehow be the child's fault. Like I was very young at that time and that was really, really confusing because I had no idea, I had no idea what health or or, or movement or a connection to food was. I just knew that my body looked a certain way and that it wasn't supposed to look that way according to outside people, people other than myself. So that started the programming of that. And then I would cope by emotionally eating because I I didn't feel safe and I felt I, I was feeling a void. And then that was shamed and that was guilted. And so my my very unhealthy relationship with food started from a very young age. And I remember being 10. And every year I remember, gosh, it's like so wild to me how clear this was. Every year during the summer before school would start, I would tell myself, this is the year I'm going to be skinny. This is the year I'm going to be skinny. And I remember at 10, like that being so, so strong. And so the only way that I knew how was that around 12 or 13, I started developing eating disorders. And I had 
<laughs> pretty much all of them. I experimented with pretty much all of them up until the time that I was about 22. And they got me the physical results and then they got me the attention from others. And I also, during this time, our our family... Our family dynamic was, from my perspective, again, my parents were really unhappy in their own partnership and that bled into our family dynamic so that we weren't close and there wasn't communication and there wasn't this like loving, supportive family dynamic at home. And when the two providers are unhappy, it really does bleed into the rest of the family. And so I knew when I was 15 and I was really at the height of eating disorders and depression and suicidal thoughts and drinking and numbing and partying that it was just this cry of of wanting to wanting to be seen by by the family or wanting to feel just trying to fill these voids honestly because the moment my parents told us they were getting divorced it was like something clicked in me where all of that not the eating disorders but most everything else I stopped I stopped drinking I stopped partying I stopped hanging out with boys and break, sneaking out and staying out after curfew it was like the moment they got honest about what was happening and what what was the dynamic in our house and that they were going to make changes to to for both of them to be happier it was like that unlocked something within me i went on to experiment with eating disorders till i was about 22 because i was really really it was the only way i knew how to control my weight if i'm being perfectly honest i think i was just really scared to eat normal again and and still <laughs> By normal, I don't mean I had, I had no education as far as what health meant. And I, I had, I remember going to the gym and getting on a treadmill and like I would do cardio every so often, but like I didn't know what weights were. I didn't know what any kind of training was. I didn't know what healthy intuitive eating was. None of that existed in my head. I knew of diet foods. I remember those vividly existing and, you know, counting your carbs and restricting your carbs. I knew those things existed. So it wasn't like I even had this education to go back to. It was just this very complicated relationship with food of, I don't know how to even eat. I don't know. I don't know what to eat. I don't know how often to eat. So it was easier to just stay in relationship with disordered eating until I was 22. So at 21, (laughs) 21, my life changed because I had the opportunity to go live on an organic farm in Virginia with my ex-boyfriend and it was his family's farm and everything changed in my life. I had no purpose. I had no relationship to myself. I had no relationship to food or this very toxic relationship to food and the moment I could take a seed and put it into soil and water it and nurture it every day and then to watch it grow harvest it and make meals from it. I I don't even know how to properly verbalize how everything, it's like everything inside of me awakened to this is living and there is no guilt with food when this is how it's done. Like how could I ever feel guilty? It doesn't get any more, this is like, this is how we were intended. This is how we were created. And that was it. That was absolutely it. And I remember there was a juicing book on the table in the kitchen. It was like a farmhouse, a really cool historic farmhouse that I know was haunted. (laughs) But there was a really cool juicing book by Dr. Norman Walker on the table. And I picked it up and that will forever be one of like my first mentors when it came to the wellness sphere of 
juicing and salads and just how to use this beautiful produce that I was surrounded by on acres and acres and acres of, of why I say my eating disorders didn't immediately stop is because I got really obsessed with, I put myself into a box of, wow, okay, I have all this access to all this amazing food. I'm going to go vegan and then I'm going to go raw vegan. And then if anything outside of that, so when when we moved back to Phoenix and started our own farm, I got really obsessive and falls into the category of orthorexia, where I was obsessive about this is how I label myself, vegan, raw vegan, plant-based, and I cannot have, I can't even ever put a foot outside of this, ever, ever, ever. And so it was really restrictive and really controlling until I, until about a year into it that I was... I went to go on to study at the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts for holistic nutrition. And that's when it all started to click of like, oh, no, no, this can be a foundation in which I love and thrive off of and feel my best, but it doesn't have to be restrictive and controlling. And I don't, I want to share this really openly. I never, I didn't seek professional help for my eating disorders. And I don't believe that you have to live forever once you have an eating disorder, that it's always within you. Because from 22, I mean, it's been almost 10 years. And those, I have never had that obsession and control with food ever again. And I would highly recommend seeking professional help a therapist, a doctor, a team that is supportive to you if you are struggling and you don't know where to start because I know that for me, it was very unconventional and very, very just, that's probably 99% of people's not their story. So I just want to, I want to share that in case you're in a space or you're still struggling, there's absolutely no shame. You have to do what's best for you. This is simply just what my path looked like at the time. So I studied holistic nutrition at the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts. This was around 22. And there was still parts missing, right? Like there was still tools missing. This was just the first time that I developed this really beautiful, it healed, it completely healed my relationship with food where I couldn't, again, like I haven't felt guilt and shame and I haven't stayed with eating that way. Like, it's not that I I just stayed within those rules and I've never felt guilt and shame again. Like, no, because we'll get to, we'll get to it. <laughs> I just, it healed so much in me having this actual connection to food. So working out again wasn't something that I ever did. I was never, I never considered myself an athlete. I hated sports growing up. I hated competition. I hated, I I just never resonated with it. I never, but I didn't really allow myself to experiment all that much either because that is something I've learned from being a personal trainer for years is that if you, if there, if you don't love working out, it's because you haven't found the right form of movement for you yet. Like it, it does exist. It's just that you've created rules that it doesn't or that it has to look like an hour every day or it has to look like kicking your ass and dying or it has to be grueling or you have to dr- like we create again, we create these rules of like, no, your workouts can look like a 20 minute walk 
three times a week, five times a week, every day, yoga, Pilates, boxing, swimming, dancing. Like there are so many outlets and variations of what feels good to you. So if it hasn't felt good, it's because you're still living within those rules of what it should, quote unquote, should look like. And I hope in these stories that I can kind of eliminate some of that for you. I started doing high intensity classes at Orange Theory at 25. Again, I was someone who never did weights. I would only do like the treadmill every so often. Never stick with it because I actually hate cardio. (laughs) That kind of cardio. So if you remember, if you've ever gone to like an Orange Theory class, it's very high intensity. There's lots of weights. There's lots of cardio, at least at the time. I have not been to one in what now six years. So I have no idea. But at the time, that's what it was. It was really, really high intensity. I dreaded going. I dreaded it. I hated how I felt afterwards. Absolutely hated it. I liked that they played really loud music. That to me was really fun. That was the one thing. And I went with girlfriends. So that was the other thing that was fun. And that kept me going back because had it been just me, which there were days where it was just me, where my friends couldn't go and I was just myself going, most of the time I wouldn't end up going because I actually hated it. Again, a sign from my body saying, It wasn't like I was hating it because it was something new and it was something challenging. I stuck with it for months and I just didn't enjoy it. And then I started dating a personal trainer who did like athletic performance. And I remember he had made a comment to me one evening about how I could do more. And we had been dating for a few months that I could be doing more lower impact weight strength training with him. And just like he wouldn't charge me, come work out with him, train under him. And I was really nervous because one, I was still really insecure. Uh, two, I just, I don't know. I was really, I never done that kind of, I never done like real weight training because the high intensity classes that I was doing, you're doing, I mean, you're doing a TRX, you're doing the weight training, but you're going so fast that you're not, for me, I didn't ever feel like I was actually learning the form and you weren't ever able to like build up the the weights or do like squats and deadlifts. So when I went into training with him, I think I started with like two times a week for like an hour each time. And then I think eventually it went up to like three times a week and I just fell in love with it because it was slower it was private too. It wasn't this big group class with lots of energy with people running around and killing yourself and being out of breath. And that's just, that to me just isn't, it isn't for me. Like that just isn't my style of how I like to work out. And my body really wasn't affected by, if we want to talk about like a physical level, because people obsess about results, aka what their body looks like, like it just wasn't effective for my body. It didn't make me feel good in my body and it didn't really change anything for my body. And so when I found this lower impact, slower form of training, you take rests in between sets, you do intervals, that to me, I fell in love with it. And it was like, okay, I've got another piece of this puzzle of of nourishing whole real foods, not diet foods, not processed foods, not low sugar, low carb, low calorie foods, like real whole foods combined with movement that makes you feel really good. It was like it was this epiphany to me of, oh my gosh, if I, I'm 25, I've I've struggled with this for 15 years now. If I've unlocked something within me, I want to help. I'm, I have to help others, especially women who feel this way because we're, we're often so conditioned to what our bodies are supposed to look like. And 
it distorts the relationship with ourselves and distorts how we view ourselves and distorts that connection to food. I mean, it disconnects us, right? All of those things are just this, (laughs) this taking us further from trusting ourselves and loving ourselves and knowing ourselves and knowing what is best for us. So I had never felt stronger or more connected to my body at that time. And I just wanted to help others who had an unloving relationship with their bodies find that too. So I found this boutique fitness studio after training for probably close to a year. And it was really mentored under him, which was really great. Uh, I found this boutique fitness studio that catered just to women. And I just had, it's so funny because I remember when I was working for this holistic dining catering company about a year before I had to go around to local businesses. One of the like jobs that I had was to go around to local businesses and drop off their business cards. And I remember coming up to this boutique fitness studio at the time and their doors were locked for like lunch or something. They weren't there. And I just had this, (laughs) what now I know, then I didn't know how my intuition spoke to me, but was this knowing come to find out. I mean, like, Three years later, I'd end up owning that space. But it's just so wild to me that I had this strong pull. So a year into my training, I contacted the boutique fitness studio. It was owned by two women. And I reached out to them and said, hey, I would love to be a part of the team if you need help with like social media or um, like assisting, whatever it may be, because I didn't have experience in being a trainer. I just wanted to be a part of that environment. And they let me know that they actually needed a trainer and they didn't need help with any of that stuff. So I ended up coming in for an interview and just speaking from the heart and why I was there and why I wanted to be there. And so they ended up taking me on and I mentored under the owner as well as that partner at the time helping me and educating me while I got certified. So from there, I went on to train private one-on-one clients for about a year or a year and a half that were almost all women. And it was just so incredible and I fell so in love with it and I was really successful at it because I really, really loved it and really it it taught me so much in that time of so many people come into the space. I mean, everyone. I don't think there was one single client that came in and said that they didn't have an external goal. Like that wasn't the driver to why, that was the driver to why they were there But once you would get in a session, and this is why I loved the one-on-one so much, is that I would use my other gifts to create this space to have actual conversations about what was going on. And it was like, it was never the external. It was always, 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 always this disconnect from self, disconnect from trust, disconnect from, there was no relation, not no, but there was like a severed relationship to themselves that brought them there. And through this, this, what came to be my style of training where it's lower impact, it's gentle, but we're tracking how much stronger you're getting or the weights that are changing or the movements that you can do. I mean, that was a big one for me. Like it wasn't a big one for me to track with clients, how much weight they could lift. It was more so of, remember when you started two months ago and you couldn't even do this one, you couldn't do this one movement because it was too challenging. And it could be a totally weightless movement. And then two months later through consistency, they were able to do it plus with a weight and do it in a way I taught really functional fitness because I wanted to help women be able, because a lot of my clients were mothers too. I wanted to help these women go and be able to play with their children. And I remember one had told me that they had gone to California and they're playing in the ocean and they could lift up their daughter in the waves without getting out of breath. And the fact that they could lift them up and it was, they were, they were so proud of themselves. 
And that to me, like I still get such a high when I think of that, like that, that's it. Like that, (laughs) that is such a beautiful place to be in. And then physical results come. It's like when you stay committed to this and you have something deeper driving you besides this obsession with an external result, you stay committed to it. And when you actually love, when you actually love the workout and love how it makes you feel, you want to come back. Like that's how you stay committed. If there was, if someone didn't want to stay after like two months, I never pushed anyone to stay or resign because I'm like, this just isn't the workout for them because it's not for everybody. And that's okay. Like I don't ever want anyone to feel pressure that this is the space that they have to be in. I just want them to fall in love with themselves through movement, building that self-trust and finding the movement that does that for them. And for some people that is really high impact, for some people that is yoga, for some people that is Pilates, for some people that is bar, like I could, there's some people that is boxing. I could literally go on and on and on about all the different ways, though, all the different options and choices we have to move and connect with our bodies. About a year and a half into training clients one-on-one, that is when I went and approached the owners at the time because my mind was, I'm, I've been very entrepreneurial from a very young age and my mind was thinking, okay, I want to, I want to keep doing this for as long as I can see. And I don't want to be just a trainer. Like I want, I want to have some equity in here. I want to be like a co-owner with them. And so I went to meet with the owners at the time and they sat down with me. And when I approached them with that, they said, well, we're actually in a space where we want to sell it and move on with different business ventures in our lives and, our, and be with our families. So we'd love to sell it to you as sole ownership. So instead of being a co-owner, I actually ended up buying the studio and becoming the sole owner. And I changed the name and I changed the branding a bit. And I wanted it to be this space because I was seeing this is when the evolution of the wellness industry was really, really starting to take off. Like the Instagram wellness industry was really taking off. And I always felt envy of like the LA wellness industry because there was access to so many different health shops and studios and classes. And I was like, dang, I want to have that here. (laughs) And so I didn't have the capital to execute on that. But I wanted to be the space that when other people came through, that they could host events. So we ended up hosting events with almost 30. We ended up hosting events with holisticism, um, with local different teachers and practitioners like new moon circles and yoga that was offered. And it was just astrology and numerology. It was really, really cool. And it was every... It was so much of what I had dreamed of, so, so much. But I was like 26 at the time, 27. I was so young, 26 when I started. I was so young. I was so overwhelmed because it was just me running the entire business with a, we were in a very predominant neighborhood with very expensive rent. And I did really well as a trainer, but becoming then the owner too was, it was so much harder because I couldn't, I didn't have the capacity to take on more clients. And that was the thing that I loved to do, but I couldn't do it anymore as much. And so therefore, you know, finances change. And it it was just, it, it's so hard because on one hand, I got to teach the most incredible like group classes that again, it was like, I couldn't do the things that I loved anymore because I was too stressed about all of the back end stuff to keep the business running. And I ultimately couldn't because financially it was 
really, really, really hard, the space that we were in. And being so young and being just inexperienced, like fully inexperienced (laughs) at that time to have a brick and mortar to myself at 26. So I ended up closing the studio in late 2018. I still trained clients privately because I loved it. And eventually I moved all of my services online in 2019 so that I could move fully into nature. So this is when the final, when I felt like the final piece of this trifecta has come into place. (laughs) So I had a virtual studio and private clients when I first moved to Oregon. But once I moved into nature, I felt this pull to just live slower. And that meant just living fully in nature and more remotely and not being as engaged online. And at this time, my body also started to change because I wasn't, because I was taking it slower and I wasn't as connected to the forms of movement that I was doing before. And I wasn't, I wasn't as consistent with them. And so my body started to gain weight fully, like full transparency. I was uncomfortable with how I looked. And that's kind of hard to say because I look back, like when I was teaching the virtual studio, I look back and I'm like, what was I, what was I nitpicking myself about? What was I even seeing at that time? Because to me, when I see that person, I'm like, you were, you were strong and you were beautiful and you were you are finding these new tools in nature. And for me, a lot of times when I'm developing tools, I need to just completely disconnect from things in order to start integrating with them myself before I can teach them. And that was really the space that I was in when I had the virtual studio. So I loved getting to teach these workouts, but I was getting this pull to live slower and be more nature and develop these new tools. And so I ended up closing it down and just taking a break from teaching completely. And I took a break from moving in the ways that I was moving completely because I had been consistent with it for, at that time, about four or five years. And sometimes your body and your mind and your soul goes through these seasons of just needing pauses from things. I needed to gather more tools before ever coming back to teaching. I mean, looking back at it now, it's like, It wasn't because I didn't love it. It wasn't because it didn't make me feel good. It was just, it was time to start building new tools. And there are so many times where I wish this was instantaneous, where I wish it took a month and I was like, here I am, a new tool. But part of my process is that it usually takes me years. And that's kind of why I've been in the wellness industry for 10 years, because it's taken me this long to develop these tools and really bring them together in the way that Repose Homestead honors them. Like I couldn't have done that overnight. I just couldn't have. It's taken me 10 years. Do you know how frustrating that is sometimes where you're like, I just want, I just want the answer. Like I just want to help people. And like, it's taking its divine time to come together. So during this break, it was, this is when, so for the first time in about four years, my body started to change. And it began to soften because I was spending more time in nature and I was spending less time with weights or just moving in the way that I'd been moving for the past four or five years. And it started to soften. It started to lose strength and I was gaining weight. It was really uncomfortable for me to see that at first because It's not that any of those disordered eating thoughts came up. I never restricted myself from food because, again, I've always lived by this approach of eating 
whole real foods that make me feel really good. I did let myself experiment. I will say when I moved here, because I didn't have access to the same kind of health food stores that I had in the city, that I did let myself experiment with foods that I had told myself I couldn't eat for years. So it was like junky foods. I would let myself just, what does this feel like in my body? How does that feel? And it's it's really wild to me how fast your body adapts to whatever changes you put you you put it through. And so as quickly as my body changed and adapted to real foods, it did the same thing with processed foods where those things used to make me really nauseous and really sick and give me really bad headaches. But after a while, those things go away or you just don't hear them anymore. You don't hear those alarms. And I want to be really honest with you about this journey because it's not always been this like, like perfect version of health. Like I let myself have those moments of, of experimentation and my body changed during that. And to see that and witness that was mentally, it was just mentally tough. It was an adjustment for me to, I think it's really easy to love yourself physically, right? Because I, this is not an internal love and self-trust. It's really easy to be like, very loving or let's say it's easy to be kind to your body when you think it looks the way it's supposed to but as soon as it starts changing it's like it also we would never talk to our friends that way we would never talk to our kids that way of like you are acceptable but you can tell who talked you can tell it's some kind of conditioning here obviously that I am lovable I I am lovable when my body looks this way right and if I fall outside of that then I'm no longer lovable and I was already dating Daniel at this point Daniel is the most loving person no matter what changes my body has gone through he has never said anything about it so it had nothing to do with that it was just all internal of these old thoughts that were coming up and just witnessing them because before that was the loudest voice that existed in my head when it came to my body is that my body was unlovable and now you know being 10 years or five years out of the disordered eating and 10 years into that kind of journey it was like I could hear that voice, that old voice come up of like, hey, I, I know you've repressed, I've, I've, I know you've worked really hard to grow through these kinds of thoughts, but I'm just going to like whisper them. It was easy to be like, I don't actually believe those things. Like those are not my truths. That's not what I think of when I see my body whatsoever. And my body may have physically changed, but my self-trust did not. And that's What's been so important to me along this journey over the past few years when I say I was developing tools, it was like I had to go through that to see that all of those years that I spent, I mean, let's say five, a good five years moving my body, listening to my body, doing what feels good and that being its own journey, nourishing it, that that in itself cultivated so much self-trust so much that when physically I changed or I was eating differently or moving differently, that self-trust didn't leave. I spent the time to cultivate that and build that like any strong relationship. And that was really exciting to see of like, oh, okay, I still trust myself and I know what's best. And I trust that what I'm doing is all serving me. It's all serving me. There is no guilt and there is no shame. Those little thoughts would come up and they would go away just as quickly. So with this pregnancy, there's also been a whole new set of body changes. 
boobs and <laughs> for the first time in my life I've had boobs <laughs> um, I've always had really small boobs my body frame is I've always <laughs> always been smaller up top and thick on the bottom your girl has thick thighs and a thick butt and I was always really small up top and so for the first time and even my boobs like aren't that big <laughs> in the big scheme of things but like I had to buy a new bra okay <laughs> which by the way I just have to share this I ended up buying a Skims bra because I've heard amazing things about them and they don't disappoint. I just want to full transparency. They, it is the most comfortable bra I've ever had in my entire life and also so flattering. I don't understand, but I just had to share that because I think it's amazing. So there's been so many changes with my legs, my belly, obviously like my, I, and I mean, I was, I was nervous about that again going in and not in this way of like the thought is overpowering of like oh my god my body's gonna change kind of thing but just the fact that the voice came up of hey your body's gonna change in a way that isn't controllable to you and is also what it's here to do like this is what your body is here to do and so that was really interesting and like weight gain is part of it like you're going to gain weight because you're growing a human and so it was all of these things of, so there's been all of this new set of changes, you know, there's the conversation with the doctor bringing up, you know, do you have any concerns about waking or, and I don't, I'm not even going to share what I've, I don't think I'll ever share what I've gained um, because I, I feel like we fixate on that so much. And then there's like the fixation, fixation of postpartum and all of that kind of things. And I'm really, really, I'm actually really proud of the weight that I've gained because Throughout this pregnancy, I've had this whole entire deeper commitment to, I mean, first trimester was a beast where I can only nibble on crackers and peanut butter and jelly and like whatever would set on my stomach. I wasn't even hungry. Food was repulsive. So when second trimester hit and I felt it was like, wow, I actually feel really grateful for that period. This is all coming to me now. I actually feel really grateful for that first trimester because it just awakened me to how grateful I am for this connection to movement and foods that I have that I haven't felt in years. Like when, once you kind of do it for so long, it just, you kind of forget. And so when I wasn't feeling well, I, all I wanted was to crave a smoothie and a juice and a salad and to make us our homemade meals that I make us. And I couldn't, like it was all so repulsive to me. And so when second trimester hit and I, all of that went away. It was like, all I want to do again is nourish my body and move in ways that make me feel really good. So the past 10 months, I've been really, really, really committed to, so this is pre-pregnancy, committed to experimenting with new exercises again, where I was just doing Pilates and just doing yoga and stopped doing the strength training. And now I'm doing more strength training than I've done in probably like a year or two years. Like that's all coming back to me, but in a totally different way than how I was doing it before. Like I'm incorporating it so, so differently in a way that my body is loving and I feel strong and it's so gentle and I don't feel dead or depleted afterwards that I still have energy and that my, my muscles are changing and my strength is changing and that is so exciting to me because I haven't felt that while I was on this break from it and really getting in tune with meditation and nature that like I've come back to it and that feels really, really good. It's so important for me to, as, as 
I don't, again, so many lessons have come through as I've been pregnant, but you don't have to wait until you're pregnant to have these lessons or these breakthroughs or this clarity to come through. But I, when I think about my daughter, one thing that is so important to me is that, I mean, I'm going to be the only female influence in the household that she has for like the first few years. And even as she's growing inside of me right now and our souls are talking to each other and connected, like this is her home and I want it to be healthy and I want it to feel safe. And when she is here, I want her to have that same feeling within her own body. I don't want her to have to struggle with disordered eating and hating herself for years, like just hating herself. I want her to love and trust herself and feel safe in her own body. And I can't just do that through talking. Like that's not the only factor. I also have to do that through how she's going to see how I talk to myself, how I embody that myself, how I've integrated that myself. And thank God I've been doing it for six years now because I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. I can do that. I can absolutely do that. Like that's not, that's, that's, I've been developing that for these tools for the past six years. Great. I can absolutely do that. And that feels really exciting. And I think about that, like I've, I've also, again, like I don't want to shame anyone who is in pregnancy that has certain cravings like, oh, well I gave into that. That's okay. Like, again, this is not to say that I eat within these rules. Like I don't live within rules and regulation. 90%, probably maybe 95, 99% of what I eat is whole real foods. And I am very, very intentional about the ingredients that I use so that because Daniel is more of like a heavier eater than I am. And I make all of our meals here at the house. We're not people who eat out. So that's just not, we don't have the option here. And that's just not who we are. Like we, I love to make us food. And so I'm really, really intentional about the ingredients that I get. So it's the einkorn flour for our homemade pizzas or brownies or breads every week. And the really amazing organic olive oil and the homemade nut milks and the amazing quality coffee. And like that is so important to me to, to, to feel full and to feel indulged, but in a way that's, again, that's what intentional eating looks like to me. And that's how I define it. But also if there's something that we're craving, if he wants, if he wants a burger from down the road, like go for it, fulfill that. And if I want that, go for it, fulfill that. That's just not our day-to-day everyday routine. Like I just, I don't live in a world of restrictiveness. And when we found out when we had our anatomy scan last week, I had gone to like our little local bakery and I got a couple cookies from there. Like, and, and it's things like that where I'm like, this is a moment for us to celebrate. And I'm not going to, there are no rules behind like, oh, well, now I have to go home and make these healthy cookies. It's like, no, I'm going to go support a local business that makes these really delicious treats. And I'm going to get two cookies and we're going to celebrate this day. And that day is like so imprinted in my head of just this really celebratory, beautiful, joyous, day for us. And, you know, I don't know if I ever thought I could get to this point. I really, I really, really don't. I think if you would have like asked me at 15, if I ever saw myself so in love and trusting in my own body and feeling it and moving it, like I could have never seen that. And that's what I want for my daughter. Like I want her to have that from the get go. And like, I have to be I have to be that for her and I have to be that for me. 
There's so many things that come up during this pregnancy that are so healing to your own inner child. And it's beautiful and it's miraculous and it's so healing and I'm so grateful. And I also want to note that like from my years of personal training and working with hundreds of clients, especially women, I think almost all of my clients were women, you will never stay consistent with movement and nourishment or any kind of habit or practice if you're only in it for an external result. That is the thing. That right there is the thing that will (laughs) give you permission to quit, give you permission to check out right away. It will never keep you in it for the long haul because you'll do an exercise for a month or two months or three months and you will quit the first chance you get if you don't see immediate results. And I know this through my expertise and experience. It's not just something I pull out of my butt. Like I saw it though. Like when you are only driven by an external goal, you will never stay committed to the process and the healing that comes from that process ever. And I just can't encourage you enough to find something deeper within you because what's going to keep you committed to any kind of habit or practice is your internal goals to feel strong to be less anxious, to play with your daughter and not be winded or to mirror to your daughter what it looks like to love yourself and trust yourself, to feel grounded, to feel energized, to feel really good in your body every single day or most days. Like those are the things that will keep you coming back day in and day out. I know it is so much easier to spend 20 minutes on a television show, or scrolling through Instagram. But instead, if you took those 20 minutes to do a walk, to do a Pilates video, to do a strength training video, what would that bring you? What would that gift you? That trust with yourself, that communication with yourself, the ability to say, you know what, I was really tired today. And because my workout is gentle yet effective, I'm going to do it. And then after I did it, I feel great. I took that time with my body. Again, I always think about we are, we are in relationship with ourselves, with our bodies. And if your partner asked for a from you for just 20 minutes a day. Like, hey, can you just talk to me for 20 minutes a day? I'm pretty sure you do that. I'm pretty sure you give that to them because you know that's what it takes to nurture your relationship. And yet we're so quick to abandon ourselves. It's so easy. You don't need an hour a day. You don't need to be killing yourself. You don't need to be breaking your body down. Really, truly, you just need to find ways that movement makes you feel really good that, yes, can be challenging. Maybe that challenging to you is different than what challenging to me is. Challenging to you may be being able to do that yoga pose that you couldn't do a year ago or have 
that flexibility that you've never had in your life or to be able to run a mile in a certain amount of time or to be able to lift a certain amount of weights. Like what is challenging to you is not the same of what is challenging to me. And I'm just encouraging you and inviting you to go within to say, do how do you define challenging at this current moment in time? Is that, and is that at your actual own beliefs? Do you, if, if challenging to you means like killing yourself and leaving a workout dead and depleted and you're like adrenal fatigue, if that's, that to you is challenging, well, does that make you feel good? And if it doesn't make you feel good, because challenging can also feel <laughs> the key indicator that this, the, the, the challenge, you're defining challenge based on your own terms and your own body is when you actually feel really good once you've done it of, wow, that Pilates move was really hard for me to do. And maybe I only did two of them when the teacher did 12, or maybe I only did five of them when the teacher did three sets. But dang, I feel good because I did it. And I didn't even think I could do that. Or I held that plank for 30 seconds. When when I first started, I could only do it for 10. And I had the correct form. Wow, I feel so strong. That is how you know that you are doing the correct movement for you because challenging to you should still feel good as you do it. It shouldn't have to kill you or injure you or break your back or pull a muscle. It can be really, really gentle and loving. If you'd like to continue this conversation, which I would love to do, it's truly one of my favorite topics and so much of it is to come inside the Repose Homestead members area and our trainings and workshops. It's just, it truly, I, I just, I'm so grateful. <laughs> it is such a good feeling. I shared this over on my personal Instagram last week, but it is such a good feeling when you've been working 10 years at something that, and for me, I call it a path of curiosity. Like I have always just led this path of following what makes me curious and what lights me up and it's all been in the wellness industry, but a lot of times it just feels like it doesn't make any sense. Of like, why was it this thing? Why did I take a break here? Why was I, why was I picking up these tools? And to finally be in a place of seeing them come together and and knowing this purpose and mission within me, which is now being birthed through Repose Homestead, feels really, really joyous and exciting. <laughs> because, you know. As much as we live in this instant gratification world, sometimes sometimes it's like, Dane, why isn't the piece of the puzzle coming quicker? Dane, I'm so frustrated with where I am and the timing of my path. It's just, it feels really good when you can start to see it all click together and what you're here to do. And this is what I'm here to do and what I'm here to talk about. And I'm so grateful you're here. I would love to continue the conversation over on Instagram at Repose Homestead. Let's just breathe together. It feels really, really yummy. <laughs> I am sending you so much love. I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your week. And maybe just take one or two actions this week to, to communicate with your body. What it means, what it wants, what you can do more of, what you can add in, what's no longer making you feel good. Just taking inventory of where your baseline is, is a really, really beautiful starting point. Starting to question like what you define. What do you and your body truly define as joyous movement that makes you feel good and I write down <laughs> any of the shoulds that you think that should follow that well how can a workout only be 20 minutes how can I do xyz no 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 
I want you to put all of that down because most often than not, those are not your thoughts. And also, if you really enjoyed what you were doing right now, you wouldn't even have to think of those things. Like, I think that's what's so fascinating so many times is that some people can be so quick to jump to those assumptions of, but how can a workout be only 20 minutes and be effective? Or how can I eat this way? Or how can I this? Or how can I that? The fact that you're even exploring it, one, means that you're not totally fulfilled by the way that you're doing things currently. So two, why, what, what, what do you have to lose by experimenting with things that feel more gentle and more loving and make you feel really good? (laughs) Like why, again, when we have that self-trust of these are the practices that make me feel good, nobody can tell you differently. Nobody can tell you differently. Don't you dare forget that. All right, have a beautiful rest of your week and I will talk to you next week.